What is going on, everybody? We are back with another episode of the Chasing Fitness podcast. Uh, this is our second quarantine episode uh, to be released with more to come. Hopefully not too many more quarantine episodes because uh, that's just lame in terms of what uh, we have left for life. But this week we have on Danny Spiegel. So Danny uh, is a CrossFit Games athlete. She's been there one time. She's going uh, again this year. Uh, or assuming it actually happens. But uh, in this episode, we talk a little bit more about kind of her upbringing uh, as well as her kind of her philosophy on nutrition because I think it's a little bit different. Uh, I wouldn't say I definitely agree with everything that Danny does, and I'm not saying it's wrong either at the same time. It's just not, maybe not the way I would eat on a day-to-day, but I think she's got a really cool approach to how she eats uh, that is has similar properties to a lot of the ways that I eat for sure Um, but I think it's something that you guys can get a lot from in terms of learning how much protein she eats in a day Uh, hint it's more than I do on a any given day Um, but I think the biggest thing to take away from Danny is that she has a lot of fun Uh, and I think that's the thing that I talking to her uh, and listening to her talk about how her dad kind of instilled that in her was that she should have fun every single day, no matter what she's doing in life. And then that fun will translate its way into um, being a job for her, being a career for her. Because I think she started out thinking that she wanted to go into marine biology, which is an interesting career. But now she's got this fitness platform that she's trying to launch um, into not only her career as an athlete, but also what she's doing on the uh, programming and nutrition side of things online. So uh, enjoy this episode, guys. If you enjoy it, also leave us a rating and review. We'd love that so much. And uh, yeah, share it with a friend that can get something out of this. Take care, guys. Enjoy the episode. All right, guys. We are back this time with Danny Spiegel. Uh, Danny really needs no real introduction. If you follow Instagram at all or follow the sport of CrossFit at all, uh, she's made a pretty big jump onto the scene, uh, making her first appearance last year at the Games. And then uh, this year, she would have qualified again uh, and still, I guess, does have the qualification if uh, if something actually happened. So I guess before we get into it, Danny, how is, uh, how is quarantine going for you? I know we were talking before we started hitting record here that Life hasn't really changed much for you. So yeah, how's your, what's your day-to-day these days now that uh, the quarantine and the whole COVID situation is going on? Uh, so as I had like said earlier, um, yeah, quarantine life for me is exactly the same, except for my travel schedule has decreased significantly. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I do the same thing every single day, you know, from waking up and having my coffee, emails, gym, food repeat and that's pretty much like what I (laughs) that's what my life consists of uh it's what it consists of now during quarantine and before so I have been lucky enough to be you know one of the few people in the world who like really wasn't all that affected by everything so I uh I have been great (laughs) to be honest with you uh so yeah life is life is good over here that's awesome um 
with with that being said, I know you mentioned, uh, or I, I guess I mentioned before too, that you're, you had some work done on your shoulder with some stem cell stuff. Um, tell us a little bit more, more about that, why you got it done, when you got it done. Because um, I know it was like right, I think it was right after the open anyways, and how you were healing after that. Um, yeah, so uh, it was actually right after Wadapalooza. I got the procedure done on March 10th. And so I'm like, you know, almost 10 weeks out, uh, like post-procedure, I went with a stem cell injection just because I didn't like the idea of surgery while, you know, all surgeries have, you know, cases upon cases of success stories. You know, you always come across people talking about how they got a surgery and then that body part was never the same again. And for someone who wants to continue competing at a very high level of CrossFit I didn't want to just jump into the surgical route and just say like I'm okay with the risks and like potentially my shoulder never feeling the same again so I looked at a lot of options from just taking eight weeks completely off and just doing PT and I talked to someone who in the PT that I work with now I talked to him someone that I trust tremendously and he said, you know, if you don't want to do the surgical route, I suggest you take eight weeks off and we'll, you know, PT rehab, try to get you just out of pain. So in my head, I was like, well, if I'm going to go ahead and take eight weeks off anyway from like any major training, then the stem cells, you know, like it can't hurt. Uh, it's kind of how I went into it. But then I went and talked to uh, the guy that did my procedure and I was pretty much sold, you know, no surgery healing and recover time uh, was much, much quicker. And so like, that was just the best route for me. I did personally just didn't want to go through surgery. And then, you know, getting the procedure, I was trying to mentally prepare for having to sit out pretty much the rest of the CrossFit season and just watch everybody else compete. And then, you know, COVID happened and I was like, <laughs> okay, this is a perfect timing for me which everyone is so bummed and I know it like breaks my heart that so many you know so many athletes won't be at the games this year uh if it ends up happening over at the ranch so my heart goes to those athletes because I can't even imagine just like having a season taken away from you like that um I felt like it had and I understand like to probably like some of the feelings that are going on with a lot of athletes right now but again, like for me personally, it was, it was a huge, you know, like a blessing in disguise almost. I have been able to take this time to recover and heal and really focus on my shoulder. And my mental health has probably been a lot better because of this situation instead of having to like sit on the sidelines and watch everybody compete all year. So yeah, so there's my little spiel about my shoulder and how it relates to COVID. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it's, it's it's interesting. I think there's a good perspective to take away from that because I think a lot of people, you know, those first two weeks of uh, shutdown, if you want to call it that, or quarantine, I think everyone kind of sat around and kind of felt sorry for themselves. I'm like, well, I can't touch a heavy barbell or I can't do X, Y, Z for, you know, God knows how long. And instead of looking at it and being like, well, what can I still do? Uh, which is, it sounds like it's something that you've kind of come across that way. Um, to back up a little bit, like it, your, your procedure was for like to repair a torn labrum, correct? Yeah. Torn labrum in the left shoulder. Gotcha. And like, when, when did you sustain that injury? Like, was it something that was kind of ongoing or like, was it something that had to be dealt with and you couldn't just get through the season if you wanted to, or yeah, take me through that. 
so it happened during 20.5, during the ring muscle up workout. I caught a ring muscle up really bad, came through the rings and unfortunately, but fortunately I am so flexible that I like was able to hold on to the rings. I didn't just like instinctively let go, which is what I should have done, (laughs) but I didn't. And so that's when it happened. Um, I was able to, I think I was just like in so much shock that I was able to like finish that workout. Um, and so that sucked, but after that, I just assumed that I was just, I sustained like a very minor injury and I was just mostly irritated. Uh, and so I just kept, you know, like putting off things that bothered it. Um, dips and ring muscle ups were like excruciating pain to where I couldn't even do one. Uh, it got to a point where I couldn't even stabilize myself on the rings. Like if I was going to do a dip, I couldn't even jump up and just like straighten out my arms and like support my own body weight. So there were things where I could not have been competitive in CrossFit anymore if I just decided to like kind of just, you know, brush it away. So I just kept assuming, like I think a lot of athletes do, that, you know, oh, you know, tweaked it during that workout. It'll eventually, like, I'll just wake up one day and it'll be okay. Because um, as you know, like, you you get, like, a little, you know, sore. You might, like, tweak something. And, you know, with avoiding certain movements for a while, a lot of times, you know, you can self-correct. But I just kind of kept waiting for that day to happen. And then I woke up. Um, you know, months, <laughs> months later, like four months later, and was like, I still can't do, a, like, I can't even support myself on the rings, let alone even attempt a dip or a ring muscle up. So that's when I was like, okay, uh, I should probably like go get it checked out. So I decided um, in February, just one day, I was like, sick of just not knowing. So I went and just walked into like an MRI, like a standalone MRI center. And yeah, I found out that I have a torn labrum. Um, Shit. Yeah, sucks. <laughs> but I, I know a lot of people, like there are a lot of people that, you know, survive, you know, they get out of pain from a torn labrum and they like live perfectly normal CrossFit lives. They can get out of pain and they can just keep going, um, which is like awesome. But I just like was in a spot where I couldn't do movements and when I was talking about uh, just like not doing like a surgical route or like not even doing the stem cells, my thing was I didn't just decide all of a sudden that I wasn't going to be super competitive. And I didn't want to just say, okay, well, I'm going to take eight re- like eight weeks to rehab my shoulder and pray that I don't come through the rings again. And then all of a sudden completely tear it. So in my head was like, I'm going to continue to compete and I would like to give myself the best chance of never having to deal with this again, which is again, why I went, um, I went the route of the stem cells. Yeah. That makes sense too. Cause like you're, it's not like you're, you know, 33 years old and you're just hanging on to one last chance at the games. Like you're, you're kind of just coming up. Right. So that makes total sense. Um, in a completely different direction, but still quarantine related, uh, yeah. when it comes to like the quarantine and everyone else just sitting at home, does it, have you gotten more or less weird dm since everyone's gone (laughs) uh it's stayed pretty you know consistent to be honest with you um (laughs) i haven't really seen like a rise i uh so that's uh that's been that's been good i guess um but yeah that thing 
<laughs> uh, it's a good thing for me. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know about everybody else, but for me, it's been great. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, no major spike in the in the weirdos in the DMs. Probably just the same amount. <laughs> it's weird. I mean, it, it, like listening to your story and listening to you talk on other uh, podcasts, it's just it, it's crazy the depths that people will go to uh, these days to to not only talk with someone on the internet that they've never met or will never meet, but just the things that they'll ask for you. Like, and he, he, I was even just laughing at one of your Instagram stories last night. I can't even remember what you were videoing, but um, you panned to your feet and I was like, Oh no, that's, that's a dangerous zone for there for, for Danny's uh, Instagram followers for sure. <laughs> I, that's so funny. I always, uh, I always get that. Um everyone gives me gives me help for that they'll uh, they'll see something on instagram and be like well you're inviting them into your dms like you're just showing your feet and like, <laughs> showing the tomatoes on the ground like that's yeah it's definitely the um it's definitely the inside joke <laughs> surrounding <laughs> my life <laughs> so taking it back like way way back i guess i uh, to where you kind of got started. You started out in gymnastics, um, but tell me a little bit about like, yeah, your upbringing in gymnastics that way. Uh, because I would say like, it seems like anyways, that you're, you, you like a heavy barbell if you ask yourself these days, but how did you get into gymnastics and uh, take, take me through that uh, kind of going through a childhood? Uh, so yeah, so I've been, I've been pretty athletic my entire life. My parents have always been, been a, advocates for exploring outside and being active and they you know enrolled me in like little like tumble tops class in gymnastics when I was three uh and I started doing that and from there you know just child up childhood upbringing uh grew up in Colorado so a lot of outdoor stuff camping hiking rock climbing my dad would you know take me to gymnastics practice and then we'd go rock climb after um and so it was just very, very, very active. And I started competing very young, uh, age of six, I think is when I did like my first like gymnastics competition. Uh, and I went all the way through high school until I sustained a back injury. And when I had to pull out of gymnastics, you know, I found a lot of other, a lot of other things I tried to do, but nothing really stuck and gave me the passion and the fire that gymnastics had. There's the, the challenge both physically and mentally. I couldn't, really I couldn't find that or the depth in which I had felt before in another sport until I found CrossFit and I did a lot like volleyball and track I did springboard diving for a little bit I was actually on scholarship for rowing in college and so I just like uh I dabbled in everything I could and just didn't find anything that I truly like loved uh until I found CrossFit my senior year of college the rowing one's interesting because you're not exactly like six foot tall as a woman oh yeah yeah no I um I'm not like a rower build at all they would <laughs> laugh at me if I like went up to like a real like legit team but the rowing coach at the time uh that I went to he found my like athlete profile on a volleyball page like when I was doing huh. volleyball in high school and he like called our family and my dad like picked up the phone or something and he, he was like yeah your daughter looks like she has really strong legs like I'd love to like talk to her about coming and rowing and I was like okay my dad calls me he's like hey do you like have any interest in rowing I'm like what like in a boat 
Like I had no idea. Like the only thing I had ever seen was like one race in the Olympics one year. And I'm pretty sure I was like, that looks awful. <laughs> and it was, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. Rowing is the worst. If that's all you do, it takes a different kind of mental strength to be able to do that. Like at four in the morning, like, no, I, I like did not last long. I was like, this sucks. <laughs> like, thanks for the memories, but like, bye. <laughs> Were you super disappointed then that you missed out on the marathon road the games? Oh my god, no. I um <laughs> god, like no, like fuck that event. <laughs> just, like, um and like I say that cuz I actually like I did it while we watched the marathon road the games. Like Dave Castro announced that and I was like, "Oh my god, this is like the worst thing ever. Look at what this event is." And I remember like looking up um like my boyfriend Alex and he was like well do you like want to do it and of course because like I'm so competitive and he wanted to do it I was like yeah so all of a sudden I find myself the next day like surrounded by 80,000 Gatorade bottles and I'm <laughs> rowing for four hours or however long I think it was actually only a little over three hours and being a little dramatic but it was the worst <laughs> and so like I know not because I was there but I know from experience that rowing a marathon is like I think I hate running and I think I'd rather run like it's just I, so bad I yeah like well I think part of like I only did I did today I did like a 22 minute row on my and it was just uh, an aerobic piece of like keeping your heart rate at 145 to 155 but I like so it was not hard breathing was not hard at all but at the same time sitting on that concept two rower for three hours and not standing up I cannot imagine like the seat is the most uncomfortable thing in the world it's so bad it's and like nothing distracts you from it like oh. it's just so bad <laughs> well I think I, I think Dave that year I could be wrong but I think he told people that you weren't allowed to have like headphones and stuff like that like it was like the most sadistic thing ever to like take away people's distractions from that so like people were just yeah. to talk to each other which is crazy which is so crazy like I just I remember um I remember like almost putting my headphones in and Alex was like you know that they're not allowed to like at the games and I was like oh okay well whatever <laughs> and so I was like you know vocally like putting my headphones away and I just remember like being like halfway through and just like looking up and irrationally just getting so mad at Alex. Cause I was like, why are we watching these motherfuckers row? This is not entertaining for me. Like, why didn't we just put on a movie? Like, what are we doing right now? Like, why are we doing that? And I started just yelling at him. Cause it's just so long. Like it doesn't like really necessarily like tax your breathing until the end when like you kind of start sprinting just to get it over yeah. with. But in the middle of it, it's just your body is falling apart, but your lungs are okay. So I was just sitting there just yelling at him for like a solid five minutes. And that was the most exciting thing about the marathon row is like me yeah, losing just, it for a little bit. Just straight uncomfortable for like multiple hours, which like you said, like I hate running too, but I, w I think I would at least like you could be moving and not have just your butt hurt from sitting on the, on the road the entire time. That's crazy. One of the yeah. things I was going to ask you about too, it's just kind of like listening to you talking uh, in other podcasts and videos and whatnot. It seems like your parents are like two of the most supportive people uh, in anyone's life, but particularly your life in terms of like allowing you to follow the things that you truly cared about. So tell me a little bit about that and like how it 
got into, I guess, your background with also following like marine biology because you that's kind of an uncharacteristic path, if you will. It's not like your tradition, like not your traditional job of being an accountant or something like that. And then uh, how that came forward to following CrossFit. Uh, yeah, so my, my parents have always kind of just let me do what I wanted. If I had a passion for something or if I wanted to pursue something, it was okay. It wasn't like, it wasn't just like, okay, go do it. It was okay. How can we help you go do this? And it was always just like a hundred percent supportive and they believed in me, you know, from day one, it was, I could do anything I wanted to do. And I remember, um, I had like this very old photo of me and, you know, my parents like down in uh, Corpus Christi, Texas, like not the beach nation of the world, but just like, even, in, even there, like the, the ocean was just something that I truly like loved and I could sit and listen to the waves all day. And I just, it was an immediate grab. So I started, uh, you know, like reading and like Steve Irwin was always like a big, big inspiration and like role model to me. I loved him and his passion for, you know, just like the earth and wildlife and animal conservation. So I like got into like, it was just like this whirlwind of like, it started clicking that marine biology was something that I wanted to do, protective, you know, fields and sciences. So decided to do that and like that was like since pretty much age three like that's all I ever talked about doing and so when I called my parents after doing like my first CrossFit class ever like legitimately one CrossFit class one I remember having the phone call with my parents and being like so like I'm about to take a hard like left turn in my life guys and so like they were and they just kind of were like okay um so like, what is CrossFit? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, you know, like to be honest, like I don't, I'm not like entirely sure right now. All I know is that like I pretty much just died for an hour, but I like love what I just did. And they just, they're like, okay, like uh, all right. And I, the next day, I got a phone call from my dad. He was like talking about all these movements, and he was like, well, like have you done a muscle up yet? And I'm just like, dad, like it's day two, like <laughs> what? <laughs> So it was, yeah, and um, it just was, like, unwavering. They were just like, oh, okay, this is interesting, but, yeah, uh, let's do it. And my, you know, they just went and learned everything they could about it. So that's how it's always been. My dad, when I was little, he got his, like, gymnastics coaching certificate so he could coach me and, like, you know, just, like, learn from the other coaches and understand, like, what was going on and what I needed to work on. And he was the first person that when I said, like, maybe I'll do, you know, maybe I'll try out for the volleyball team. I remember him taking me out to, like, a soccer field and just, like, tossing volleyballs to me and, like, learning how to pass. And when I got interested in rock climbing, he took me to, like, the rock climbing, you know, walls every single weekend and even found, like, a Dick Sporting Good that did, like, little competitions and started taking me there and, like, coaching me and watching me there. So it was, like, no matter what, like, anything and everything, my parents were, like, there. My dad you know, usually trying to become a coach of some sort. And then my mom just like putting on her cheerleading outfit and just like being like number one Danny supporter. And that's how it's been with everything in my life. And then this was no exception. How does that, how, how important is that? Cause I feel like in my life anyways, and I know you probably have the same experiences with friends that you grew up with or even now, 
of like, you know, when you say you want to do these crazy things as like a teenager or, you know, in your case, like three months from graduating university or, or college of saying you want to go a different path. And like a lot of parents try to push you in certain directions. Like you should do this normal route of like, get this safe job that gives you a decent tension and good benefits and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like you had those parents that didn't force you to do that. Like, is that like, do you think you'd be where you are today without parents that were as uh, supportive, I guess, as they were? Uh, I think my life would have definitely been shaped a lot differently and it would definitely look different. Um, I do believe that anyone you know, is what they are surrounded by and surrounded with. And -hmm. while people can break out of bad situation and molds, you know, and like bad upbringings and everything, I think that they're shaped by it. And just like, you know, you're shaped by a really good upbringing as well. And I think my life is absolutely has been shaped and molded and affected by, you know, mom and dad. And I thank them you know, tremendously for everything that they did for me. So uh, it's super, super important to have that support system. And my dad's biggest thing is um, he just, you know, he, it's like so great because you hear a lot of parents saying like, I want to instill this in my kid and like hard work and I want them to do this and I want them to learn to, you know, blah, 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 blah. My dad's biggest thing was just like, I hope I taught you to have fun. And that was always his biggest thing is if you're not, you know, having fun and happy every day, what are you doing? And he's always, you know, kind of instilled that in me. I mean, this is the man who like did not go to his high school graduation because he wanted to like hitchhike North America and just like started that day. (laughs) So (laughs) my dad is like far from traditional and it's been that way his whole life. And he instilled that into me. It was like, do what you want if it makes you happy. And like, there's no other way to live. And my mom was the perfect, uh, you know, the perfect addition to that because she's just supportive to the bone and to the core. And, you know, in her eyes, just like most mothers, like I can't, I can do no wrong. So that combination was incredibly important coming up uh, as a child and like, you know, no less than it is now. It's great wonderful yeah i know that's amazing like i, I think that, that there can be people, a lot of people can take away something with that when it comes to like the having fun thing because like there's so many people that are probably going to work every single day and are not having fun um but you're still having fun with whatever you if you want to even call what you're doing right now as a job i'm sure there's obviously aspects of it that feel like a job but you design the life that you wanted uh that way right and you live it every day so kind of talking a little bit about that and how you've kind of built yourself a career, if you will, as an entrepreneur. One of the things I thought was interesting was kind of your, uh, I don't want to say your interpretation, but where you are or how you work with nutrition. So tell me a little bit about your background uh, working in nutrition. Like when did you start to just look at your food more, uh, more than just like your everyday eating kind of thing? When did you start tracking and things like that nature? It be it kind of was, you know, in conjunction with deciding that I was like really, really going to buckle down and competitive CrossFit was going to be, you know, what I was doing. I was going to be a professional athlete. And I went through team regionals and individual regionals and 
you know, I, I was building these steps and, you know, one, uh, it was actually after my individual regionals, like experience, I was like, there is so much you have to hone in on and be good at to be excellent at this sport. And it's no longer about my almost perfect background for CrossFit. It's no longer about like how much natural talent I had. It was, I needed to start fine tuning a lot of stuff. And the biggest thing was my nutrition. So I got really serious then and I started counting macros and, you know, doing different things, seeing how my body reacted. Uh, And from there, it kind of just changed everything. And my life changed dramatically when I started really focusing on some minor stuff. And so that's when I decided that I wanted to share like my knowledge and really what's worked for me as an athlete. I've seen it work with a very wide range of people. And that's when I started like kind of sharing my, my knowledge and my journey mostly with people. Um, and from there created, you know, like my business, I do uh, fitness programming as well, like everything like online. So that's like day-to-day work, like when I do emails and programming and stuff. So like, that's like when I was saying, like, you know, I wake up and have my coffee and I do my emails. Like that's what, that's what it consists of. Um, but it's definitely not something that, you know, I've spent eight years on. Uh, I'm still learning as I go, which I think everybody in that space is like, no matter what kind of, uh, what kind of qualifications you have in the nutrition field, I think every single year, uh, everyone's learning or claiming new things. So for me, the biggest thing is finding out what works for you. Cause no matter what the big rules of nutrition are, I think that it really does come down to like individual people. Like some things can work for a, a lot of people, but you'll always find someone who like doesn't fit that mold. And so I'm a big believer in just like having that personal connection with like my clients. So I don't do just like generalized templates. Like I require them to get in body scans so I can look at their exact like muscle, um, like their skeletal muscle, their body fat percentage, their weight, like where they hold their weight in their body because it's always, you know, it's different, especially from like male to female, blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, so like it all started like just when I wanted to change and then people started, you know, around me started noticing changes and they wanted to change and just started sharing my journey and my story. And like, that's how that all came about. Yeah, no, it's an interesting, uh, interesting story. What were like some of the initial principles or things that you maybe had wrong or like the biggest changes that you made uh, to your nutrition as you kind of got more knowledgeable and or as you kind of, whether you read that more in education pieces or more like, you know, I tested this out and this worked really well for me um initially because i think that's like as you kind of get more into it you know i imagine you're making a little bit uh more fine-tuning rather than changing things up completely um but that's at least for myself when i first started out it was like the big changes right away were things like adding carbs in uh because i was terrified of carbs but like yeah what were some of those big movers for you right away uh yeah so like you mentioned like you know everyone like wants to fear carbs but not necessarily like a bad thing for athletes but one of the things that I learned is the human body really doesn't need carbs to survive it just doesn't like we like to pretend it does because we really like the taste of pasta and bread um but unless you're you know a pretty high level athlete 
your body doesn't really need carbs. You need proteins and fats for sure for survival. Um, but carbs are really like utilized by the body for like athletic performance. So one of my big things was like, yes, while some athletes shouldn't be scared of carbs, doesn't mean that that's how everybody should live. And a lot of times they don't need carbs. And my uh, boyfriend's dad actually like went and um, got some like blood work done and some tests done after his brother had a heart attack. And they found that like some kind of genetic thing that he had, his body was actually extra sensitive to carbs while some people would like have heart problems due to like fat blockages and right. like excess fats in their body carbs were something that were causing some problems within their family and so it was just like that was like an interesting moment when we were talking to him about that that got me thinking I was like okay well there's something there like not everybody should be like super high carb um especially if they're not uh exerting their body at like a high level and so it's just like, again, it's just like trial and error of a lot of stuff. Uh, Alex, it was, you know, he's been doing all of this Olympic weightlifting and studying and reading uh, nutrition since he was like 13. Um, he, he's someone who like was researching like macronutrients like at that age. <laughs> and so he has, you know, he has like 13, 14 years of experience with like his own stuff. And so he was a huge uh, reason why I got so interested in all of this. And he's taught me so much like, <laughs> about everything and has changed my life and so many people's lives around us. Um, and then instilled upon like a lot of knowledge into me. So uh, there have been like big aha moments, but it's mostly, again, it's, it's getting to know like people personally and their lifestyles. And like, that's the biggest thing I would think is just like really being honest with, you know, your own lifestyle. And then when I talk to clients, that's the biggest thing. So it's not like these aha moments about like certain foods or if this person should do um, this template or like, you know, quote unquote, but it's really about just like learning what their body needs for their lifestyle. And that was the big aha thing for me is yeah. it's more about communication. It's not necessarily about like, should this person you know, do this, blah, 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 like, oh, like, in general, everybody should eat more protein, you know, it's, again, it's, like, just being, having that open conversation with my clients. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, I think you're, you're definitely hitting the nail on the head there, because, like, I think that's one of the things that we could probably take away over the last five years within nutrition, it's just, like, how much, like, you can find a study to obviously prove anything, and, like, you can just go, like, carbs are good one week, and then carbs are bad the next week, but I think what you're kind of saying about like finding whether they're good or bad for you specifically is kind of what the answer is in terms of like finding someone who finding a coach who's knowledgeable enough to help you figure that out for yourself. One of the things I thought that was interesting with uh, listening to you talk about nutrition uh, before was talking about like how you or at least particularly right now are doing relatively higher protein uh like you're like you're eating like upwards of 200 grams of protein in a day which i thought was interesting because again that's something that works for you sounds like um but kind of how how did you come about that realization and i guess why does it uh why does it work for you i guess if that's the case um so my high protein has been a, an always thing um and it's an always thing for pretty much a lot of people that I work with protein isn't something I usually really like change from client to client. It's more of, 
if I didn't need to adjust those numbers because some of their other numbers are just like, you know, a little too low to just sustain like a happy lifestyle. Um, But protein really, I don't alter. I always believe in high protein. In terms of things that get turned into fat within your body, protein, you know, after like carbs, like carbs and fats so easily get turned into fat storage within your body. It's harder for protein too. So if you're someone who's trying to cut or lean out or lose weight, high protein is always a good way to go. It helps support like lean muscle mass. If someone's trying to bulk and build muscle, I don't believe in just carb loading someone and then gaining, you know, a couple pounds of muscle, but they also gained several pounds of fat. So I believe in like steady growth. So high protein in a mixture with intense, you know, workouts, heavy lifting, it does that as well. So high protein is something that I always believe pretty much for everyone. And then you alter your carbs and fats, depending on what kind of, you know, human you are for one, what kind of athlete you are, what your body, you know, likes and adjusts to. Um, But yeah, my, uh, my diet on a day to day is I eat around 250 grams of protein every day, no matter what. And then depending on the level of activity I have, that's where I adjust my carbs personally. Um, Because I have like such high intensity and high volume of training, I go high carb, but I have a lot of people that go really high fat. Their bodies just react better to having like the higher fat diet instead of, uh, instead of carbs. So they, you know, a typical meal for me will consist of like a lot of, a lot of fruit and protein while they will do something like protein and avocados to get those fat. And then they'll have like a tiny little like apricot. Um, so like, it just kind of like depends, but like, no, high protein is something I believe is good for everybody. And like, Everyone I've worked with, I have, I've never really seen it fail. So uh, until I'm proven wrong, I'm going to keep kind of shouting that to the stars. Yeah, and I definitely think it, from, from an aesthetics perspective, too, it, it definitely helps, which is like what 90% of most people were looking for. Exactly. Um, nutrition, <laughs> exactly. right? Like everybody just at the end of the day kind of just wants to look good naked. Um, but taking that, I guess, that, that thought process of that last axiom of looking good, how how did you how do you find that seesaw of of that personally and also with other people that are are your friends and fellow competitors of like that seesaw of wanting to look good but also performing good because it's a it's kind of a tricky slope in terms of like wanting to be lean for some really cool shots but at the same time too having enough calories that you're can smash a workout too like have you battled with that at all kind of as you've developed as a CrossFit athlete. Um, no, not particularly, to be honest with you. I, uh, I don't think a lot of, uh, high level CrossFit athletes have that problem where they aren't eating enough to sustain. Uh, I think that for everybody, it's performance over everything. Mm -hmm. And honestly, if we fuel our bodies to perform the way that we want them to perform our level, uh, of intensity and volume, our bodies look good. So I don't think we ever like, I think we do some fine tuning. I think there are, you know, some slight cuts and bolts uh, around certain times of the year, depending on, you know, everyone's competition schedule. But I think you would, um, I think you'd find it hard to find one of the elite level athletes who like really talks about struggling, whether they want to like look good, but they're worried that they might like underperform 
if they eat this way, I think everyone's main goal is to perform well. And yeah, uh, consequently, like there are like the the female CrossFit body is superb. Uh, at like that level, I think it's like one of the most beautiful things ever. Um, and it's powerful and strong and lean. Uh, and so yeah, I mean, there are definitely people who struggle with maybe certain elements of some stuff. Uh, but that specific problem, I think, is um, I don't think you find very often at that level. Yeah, no, I think one of your one of the things you said there about like the female body and CrossFit, I think, is interesting and I, I agree that it's one of the cool things that CrossFit's been able to do over the last 15 years and it's hard for me to say you know it empowers women as a male but um, it's one of the things that you know 15 20 years ago there was probably like there were significantly less women using barbells for sure and I think the societal perception of what you know I'm using air quotes what women should look like uh, is different than what it is today. So how have you found that over time? Like did, when you were a little girl, did you want to look like you are today? Or how did that, I guess, how has that transformed yourself in terms of body image wise? I think like as I was like growing up, you know, my heroes were uh, Olympic level gymnasts. So in my head, I was always like, I want to be that person. But I never, I never grew up thinking I want to look like that person. Right. There's more of like, I just want to aspire to what they're doing. And I understand like that's a huge thing that goes on. Like nowadays, there's a lot of, there's a lot of little girls out there and little, you know, just like children in general who are looking to people on TV and saying, I want to look like that rather than saying like, I aspire to be in that position, which I think is incredibly sad. Uh, but I've noticed that as time has gone on, uh, it is become more prevalent to be healthy than it is to be skinny which I think was a major turn and I think the look of a strong and just powerful woman is amazing and I think a lot of people are feeding off of that which again I think is wonderful and I do believe that everyone should love their bodies I'm a big advocate for that like love what you have been blessed with but I also an advocate for like but there's like a limit and an extent and you should love yourself you know as long as like you're healthy is how I feel about it and I think that's like the trend that we're going on which I hope it just continues to chug along down that path yeah I know like in in like a a three second soundbite that can come off the wrong way where you're like we're because obviously we're in that period of time or we're we have been anyways of like really preaching body body positivity and you should just be happy with who you are blah 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 blah. but at the same time too I think you're right like you you should be happy with what you have and what you've been given but at the same time too that the, the focus or the priority uh, with an emphasis on health, right? Like, and being, and be and having good health markers. And like, that comes at both ends of the spectrum. Like, you can have someone who's incredibly ripped, like stage lean, and they don't have good health markers in a lot of cases, right? So like, it can come at both ends of that spectrum, for sure. Um, which I thought was like, it's, it's interesting, because like, you have a, a really cool platform now. Uh, and one of the other things that's going, I guess, live, if you want to call it that, in the next like week or six days, I guess even, is your uh, your appearance on the Titan Games, uh, which is pretty cool. So tell me a little bit about that. 
Um, well, I mean, it was like, it was a pretty cool experience to go and uh, do all of that. And obviously it'll be, it'll be cool to probably get in front of some new, new faces. I yeah. do, you know, a lot of what I do is because of the messages I get saying that I was able to inspire someone today, or I was the reason someone went to the gym, like that fuels my love and my fire for what I do. So the fact that uh, this will probably give me the opportunity to get in front of new people or maybe someone who's really looking for like that outside motivation uh, and the fact that I could potentially be that for even more people is amazing, which is the main thing I took away from all of that. Yeah, it's awesome. It looks like a pretty cool experience. I'm excited for when that uh, that comes out. Uh, just a couple of like rapid fire questions, if you will, before we kind of wrap up. Um, the first one being, uh, you only have three minutes. Well, assuming you can finish, maybe not today with your shoulder, but you can only, you finish, you have Fran. What's your, like, what's your Fran song where you only have like three minutes to listen to it? You might not even get through the full song depending on what it is. But what, uh, yeah, what's your go-to Fran song? Or oh PR gosh, song? This, this is like, this is so hard for me. But because <laughs> it changes, it changes. I'm not someone who, like, I know people have their like PR song. They're like, I will always put this song on, like, to do this PR. But mine, like, probably would change every single month. Like, right now, I honestly would probably put on uh, Roses, like, that remix that everyone is listening to right now. Like, that would be my go-to today. But, like, honestly, like, tomorrow it might be uh, something, like, completely different. Um, For a long time, my song was Wicked One by Dorothy because like she's a banger of an artist she's like just this badass and so I was like yeah okay I'm gonna rock to this so it changes all the time so that's like the terrible first rapid fire question because that wasn't rapid I, at I all. like it though <laughs> yeah no it's like it's whatever you're feeling if you're like and if, it's, if you put on that one song where you maybe didn't get that PR that day that you you figure it out and you change it up uh change it up and find a new song um, exactly <laughs> I can't so stick funny. to one song in case bad things happen <laughs> Yeah, if you don't PR, you got to change it up. Um, yeah. The next one, again, nutrition related. Uh, your, like, last meal, if you will. <laughs> like, death row, you only get one more meal to eat. What do you eat? Oh, that's so hard. I mean, honestly, the, like, the first things that I, like, you know, things that people think I would say are, like, definitely, like, probably tacos or sushi or something. But I think if it was my last meal... I would go balls to the wall and go to like a Spanish tapas place and just order okay. 7,000 you know, tapa <laughs> appetizer things so I can just get like so much food and like taste a lot of different stuff. So I think that if I had to like hit that or like ramen, but like honestly, like I, I okay, I'm going to like just shut up now and stick to my answer or I'm going to start just talking about food for another like 10 <laughs> minutes. So we, you got to cut me off on this one. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, like, you're, you founded or helped found the Girls Who Eat for a reason. Like, you guys just like food, and there's nothing wrong with liking food, and you guys train hard. And I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of good things that can come out of, like, someone on your platform eating as much food as they can and as their body is willing to able to handle. So, nothing wrong with that. No, I just, I, I definitely, like, food brings me, like, an immense amount of joy. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I think... um for the longest time, like, you know, it was, like, uh, the funny, like, joke was when girls go on dates, they only get, like, a salad and stuff like that. And, like, that just, like, should never have been a thing. Like, girls, <laughs> like, just go and eat. Like, just eat everything. Like, 
it's like as long as you're like being healthy and you're still like working out like I'm definitely someone who preaches like everything in moderation like do not go and eat you know ice cream every single day as much as I want to do that as well like girls we can't but we can choose when we need to indulge and that doesn't mean that not like every day we can't like love and appreciate food just as long as we do it in like you know a semi-healthy way um like for the most part because like I definitely have my days I am human I definitely you know like I go off my macros or when I have like a cheat you know quote-unquote meal it becomes like an entire cheat day so like I get it (laughs) like food is food is life and again everything in moderation (laughs) that's kind of why I say like everything in moderation including moderation like because there's going to be days where moderation is not even a thing for you and that's okay like you just get back to it whenever that day ends or whenever that the episode ends if you will of like times when you like you said you're going to go completely over your macros and like move on and just make the best of it um last question a little bit more serious like what's the message you want to i guess leave with people uh if you could dumb it down to one thing that when you're either you're done uh you're done your crossfit career or just like done with life in general uh that you want like people to remember you by I think it would, I mean, if it had to be one thing, it'd be back to like what my dad always wanted to instill in me is like, I want people to obviously be inspired and motivated by what I've done, but mainly I want people just to, you know, know in their hearts that I had fun in life and that I had a good life and I loved every single day. And when you have a love like for just life, like that like everything else follows and I hope that I can inspire people not only to live healthier lives but lives that they love and I would love to be remembered by that as just being like a motivator for just a good and happy healthy life yeah I know I love that that's actually really cool and just in terms of like like you said following maybe not necessarily what your passion is but just what like what lights you up and makes you happy every single day I think if a lot of people just define success on whether like, hey, am I happy? Uh, life would be a lot different than them. So I totally agree with you. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you and uh, yeah, what, uh, what to go from, from there and where we can expect to see you in the future. Well, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, Del Spiegel is my handle. I would say you can find me on Facebook and Twitter, but you can like find my profiles, but like I never <laughs> on it. So you you'll find like, you'll find a profile. Uh, and if you ever try to contact me on those like platforms, I'll never receive it. So don't like waste your time. <laughs> so Instagram is probably it. And then my website, dellathletics.com. Those are probably the, those are probably the best. And then if you know, people are ever in Orlando, then come look me up at my gym. But other than that, uh, ignore all other social media platforms, TikTok, everything. I'm just not on them. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on there, Danny. And uh, I wish you nothing but the best in the terms of your recovery. And uh, hopefully we see you on the big stage soon. All right. Thank you so much. Had fun.